Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. And welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People applying Rotary's motto of service above self. And today our very special guest is Peter Mura, who will be talking to us about the relationship between music and health. Good morning, Peter Mura. Good morning. And uh, tell us a little bit how you think music and health uh, string together. Well, music has always done this. If you read Plato two and a half thousand years ago, if you look in the Bible, you'll see that music has always been a, given a power to heal. And I think we all know this, right? We all have a sense of this. When we get home from work, we're stressed, we're wound up, uh, we put on our favorite piece of music and we chill and we relax. And I think there are very few people who really feel that they're not that they're immune to the charms of music. You know what you say is very true because um, when I'm driving around, I have the classical music station on, or, or I uh, put in a, a CD of classical music, and I find it has a very calming influence. Unlike you know hard rock and and what do they call it? Metal rock, metal metal rock. You're younger than I am, uh, Sarah. What, what do they call it? Hard rock. I have no. no idea what you're heavy, talking Heavy metal, about. that's what it is. <laughs> I think that's heavy what metal. you were talking about. Yeah. Heavy metal. <laughs> well, that, that's a little agitating. Yes, that it is. Type of, that type of music for most people. But um, you, you, know, this, you just talked about your philosophy, but it's a little bit more organized than that. Because it is. Aren't you a member or you represent the Institute for Music and Health? Yeah, I'm is that correct? I'm director of the Institute for Music and I, Health. I, and what is that, that organization? Tell us that. That's, that's kind of your roots. So let us know what that's all about. Okay, well, that's based on the work of a medical doctor called John Diamond, who's a pioneer in holistic medicine. And he's probably the leading authority in the world in using music as a health modality. So like um, music therapy? Uh, similar to music therapy, but it's uh, it's certainly using music in a therapeutic type of way. Uh, music therapy, however, has particular connotations, like you think of it Such particularly as. working with people who are sick, that kind of thing. But this is, this is our approach is for everybody. Okay. Okay, so it encompasses music and how it affects people's well-being. Exactly. Okay, everybody's well-being. Not exactly. Ju not just as a healing tool. Exactly. Or a therapy tool. And exactly. Peter, and Peter Muir, are we talking about just music appreciation like they used to teach in the American schools, uh, listening to various types of music or also participating either as a singer or an instrumentalist or a little of both? Well, I'll tell you about a piece of research they did in Germany. Okay. They took a choir that was performing Mozart's Requiem, which as a classical music lover, I know you'll appreciate. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and they took blood samples from all the members of the choir before they sang and after they performed. And they found that after they performed, the immunity response in the blood was much higher than it had been before. Is that right? But they did something else too, which is they recorded the performance and they made a CD of it. Mm -hmm. And a few days later, when the choir had, when the choir's blood had returned to normal, I guess, they took another sample and then played them the CD and took a final sample of the blood. And what they found was that listening to the CD didn't do much for the blood. It was only performing it. And part, of, a very important part of our philosophy is... It's much more important to make music than it is 
to listen to music. Music is something that is designed to be active. It's designed for us to do. And it's also very basic. I mean, when you go back, you were referencing some old um, historical and literature when we first opened the show. But it's also making making noise, vocal noise, um, or instrumental noise, pounding with your hands on anything. That's a very basic instinct that we've always that we've had as it is. human beings. Isn't it is, it? and let's let's talk about that. The how, where does music come from? What everybody has a need for music. And music seems to be important to everybody. And when that's the case, there's usually a, there's usually an evolutionary, a biological purpose of that. And what Dr. Diamond's and other people's research has shown is that the origins of music is the mother singing the lullaby to the baby. It all goes back to the oh, mother, yes. the baby, and the womb. And music provides that deep sense of comfort that mothers give to babies when they're singing a lullaby. And we all need that comfort throughout our lives. We're not babies. We grow up and we, you know, become bankers or whatever. Um, but we need that. At some level, we need that comfort all the time. That's terribly important to us. And, and you know, there's a relationship also to uh, religious services, whether it's church or synagogue, usually has uh, people singing along or choirs that people sing along with. Is is that also co- a connection that you've made? Of course. The... the um, uh, uh, there, there isn't a. Um, I don't think there's a religion in the world that doesn't include r- include, some type include of- music, and the, the the philosophy there is that music is a way of getting higher, and you can just view that in sort of psychoanalytic terms as music taking us back to the mother, which is on earth at any rate the primary relationship that we have. It's all really all the same thing. How did you first get interested in this, Peter Mura? The relationship between music and and good health. Well. Um, I went to the Royal College of Music in London. Um, you, we would never have guessed. Yeah, you'll from be your quite accent. surprised no, to know, yes. right? I'm actually British, <laughs> um, and uh, it's one of the best music educations you can have in the world. And right. I, I left so, there. So you're you're a musician yourself. Then. I am. I'm I'm a pianist. And what type? A I'm, pianist. I'm a pianist. I'm a pianist type of musician. Were you a classical pianist? Did you study class? Origi- What's your genre? My so my my genre was classical. Mm-hmm. And then I got really interested in jazz, and I'm I'm now best known for doing like jazz and ragtime, and that's one of the reasons why I moved to this this country. Um, I I did a PhD in musicology on the origins of blues, and I have a book out. And about where did you go to study for your PhD? What or where? 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 Um, uh, Cooney City University in New York. Okay. Wow, this is quite it's impressive. Very Royal College of Music. Yeah. And do you have a CD out? You say. Uh, I have a book out. Oh, book. Plug, uh, plug, plug. What, what is the book called? Okay, the book's called Long Lost Blues, Popular Blues in America, 1850 to 1920. Mm-hmm. And it's published by Illinois University Press. And uh, we're going to have to get information year. about that. Joan and I will be heading out. Um, when is this show uh, scheduled? Are we doing uh, this? I think um, right after we ha- hear this show on the air, we're off to New Orleans to the Rotary yeah, International gonna, Convention. There you go. We'll be down there for a week or and so. And we're taking and our radio rotary microphones so that our listeners can enjoy the convention with us. And Peter, I will share with you that I'm from there. Ah. So blues music, and I'm a retired performer, oh. is um, a very big part of my life. So I'm Wonderful. Fast, and I love it when... People that because it's a um, blues and what you and ragtime those are quintessential American types. You of got art it. Form. So I'm fascinated that I, you, as a classical European musician, have have you know this is like your whole passion. 
So, uh, Peter Muir, who is an expert on the relationship between uh, good music and good health, we, we learned that you were at the Royal College of... Uh, what was it called again? The music. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> the Royal College I'm, th- I'm thinking of music. Royal College of Medicine because a friend of mine's a Brit who's a physician here now. Right. Royal College of Music, and you have a doctorate from the City University of New York. Yeah, and, but, um, but but I was telling my I was telling my story a little bit, which was yes. that I left I left the Royal College of Music, one of the best music educations you can find, and uh, I was out in the world being a musician. I was a mm-hmm. very good sight reader. I could play anything. It's you know it's pretty good. You know, so you're composing. making a living as a professional yeah. performer. Yeah, it's going quite well. Uh-huh. But if I'm really honest with myself, I know there's something lacking. And then a student of mine, uh, an adult student of mine, gave me a book by John Diamond, this man whose institute we now run, um, called Life, Energy, and Music, Volume 3. And that immediately intrigued me because here was a medical doctor talking about how music can really help people and can help health in the deepest sense. Their of mental the word. health and their physiological health. Help health in the widest sense, in the holistic okay. sense, yeah, which brings in those concepts. And you know what? We're going to find out more about this and some of the success stories you've had linking good health and good music in just a moment. But first, let me remind our listeners that they're in tune with Radio Rotary on Hudson Valley Talk Radio and around the world by podcast and on iTunes and at www.radiorotary.org. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host is the musically effervescent Sarah O'Connell. And our very special guest is Dr. Peter Muir. And we're talking about the link between good health and good music. Sarah, tell us. Who brings us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Arlington, Poughkeepsie, Brewster, Cairo, Congress Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Goshen, Highland Hyde Park, Kingston, and Kingston Sunrise. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. In 1985, while polio was paralyzing 1,000 children a day, Rotary International committed to a goal a goal of ending polio worldwide. Very soon now, after contributing nearly $600 million and immunizing over 2 billion children, the goal will be achieved. Eradicating polio worldwide. That is humanity in motion. That is Rotary. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, CPAPC, is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business. What would you do if a friend, coworker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's 
H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell, and welcome back to this edition of Radio Rotary. I am joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebowasser, and I'm very focused, Mr. Bruce. I'm very focused, and I'm going to introduce our guest. Bruce is our uh, program director here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio, and he's and engineering. And morning radio talent, Bruce Owen. We're privileged to have him with us today. The morning guy. The morning guy. Yeah, morning drive guy. And we're even more privileged to have Peter Muro. Tell us who he is. Peter Mira is the, well, you're the um, executive director of the Institute for Music and Health, which is located in the Hudson Valley. And we're talking about the relationship of music to your overall health. Yes. And in the first segment, um, you brought up the um, your, your mentor, your, the person who inspired you, Dr. John um, Diamond, um, a leading authority using the arts for enhancing the holistic health in individuals and whole communities. Let's not leave that part out. Um, you're a professional musician yourself, classically trained, but your real passion is in American music. So let's give another shameless plug to your book. Uh, my book? Okay, yes. Long Lost Blues, and you can check it out at the website, which is longlostblues.com. Is, is our blue, American blues music popular in Britain where you came from? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, one of the intriguing things is that American music has a freedom to it. Because American culture has a certain kind of freedom to it. And that's ref- that's embodied in the music. And it's not in it's not in European it's not in European culture in that way. And so blues and jazz and American music with an American sort of feel to it has always been intriguing and uh-huh. very appealing to well, Europeans. You mentioned, you mentioned ragtime as, as a specific area of interest for you. Yeah. Yep, and as you know, like Scott Joplin and some of the greats didn't read music, and right. did a lot of it wasn't laid down or written down right. for many years until they were. I, I don't. Even, I'm not real sure about Scott Joplin, but he. Um, it, it wasn't. Um, it was handed down. Things were handed down from musician to musician. There wasn't written charts. Right, and and of course the blues comes out of that whole folk tradition of what we call oral transmission, which means it sounds that sounds like a kind of disease or something. But what right. it means is that the songs are passed just by, uh, you know, like dad singing it to the kids and mum singing it to the kids and so forth. They get passed down from generation to generation. And, and there's no written component. There's no it's, written component. And no. I understand even blues great B.B. King, the past 10, 15 years maybe, just started putting his stuff down in charts. Right. That a lot of that was passed down. This right. is in our generations right. now. So it really is American folk music. Well, one of the interesting things that when, you, when you're looking into that issue is that if you go back, like nowadays, of course, everything's recorded. But if you go back to the roots of blues, which is what I do in my book, Long Lost Blues, um, not every, nothing's recorded. Nothing's recorded at all. And the only thing you have are bits of sheet music. They were like commercial sheet music and everything. And one of the things I've done in that book is from that reconstructed what the folk traditions must have been. So it's actually a kind of piece of detective work that was actually quite interesting to do. Well, I've been told by some of um, some blues musicians that you're probably familiar with that do live in the Hudson Valley, like um, Little Sammy Davis and Pine Top Perkins, that a lot of them were afraid that people would steal their music. So that's one reason why they were very protective. Um, and they were always like little signature 
uh, riffs and bridges and things like that when they would perform. Is, uh, yeah, there was um, one of the is most. That right? Yeah, it is. They're one of the most famous um, uh, jazz cornetists in uh, New Orleans, where you come from, is um, was Freddie Keppard, uh-huh. who was actually supposed to be one of the teachers of Louis Armstrong, and he was offered a recording contract in 1916, which would have made his recordings the first jazz recordings, but he refused allegedly because. Uh, he said that if it, they go out on records, people will imitate my style and I'll lose my gigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now, Peter Muir, tell us more about the Institute for Music and Health, uh, which uh, people can look up at www.musichealth, as if it was one word, www.musichealth.net. Um, tell us about some of the success stories you've had uh, with a variety of illnesses uh, applying music for good health. Right. We actually don't work specifically for the treatment of illnesses, but what we do do is we work in enhancing people's well-being generally. Okay. And we have numerous stories about people's lives being enhanced by, as we put it, bringing out the music inside them. Now, this brings me to an important point. When we say music and that you're going to be doing music, you remember I said earlier in the show that the important thing about music is that you do it. People go funny about that. They say, well, I was told in the chorus that I wasn't allowed to sing and all this sort of stuff. And we actually live in a very odd culture historically. If you look back historically, we live in a culture where most of the the music that that happens in people's lives is music they listen to. Mm -hmm. In 1800, that was not the case. There There was no iPods. There was no computers. There was no CD players. Nothing. So people made music themselves, they had and to that was it. it. Themselves. That was it from the beginning of evolution until 1910, <laughs> uh-huh. and right? Pe- people and people so, and families had to had to create it collectively, right? So, so, but we we've, we've been kind of like brainwashed into thinking that we can't make music ourselves. Now, Doctor Diamond, whose work we do, he's written a wonderful little statement about this. He says, "To die." Without having released the music that is inside you is a tragedy for you and for us. We believe that everybody has music inside us, inside them, and it's our job at the Institute for Music and Health to bring, to bring it out um, as best we can. And that varies enormously from person to person. We have um, kids with, uh, with autism, very low functioning, no verbal skills at all, but they will sing. And they have this music inside them, you see. This is the mm. common thing that everybody, everybody has. It's our gift because, remember I said music comes from the mother singing very, to the child. Very, very beginning. That's, that, exactly. So that's, that's, that's what it is. Now, um, so we, we work a lot with disabled um, people with disabilities, children and adults, many different kinds. And part of our emphasis is on using, getting people that we bring. How do we bring out the music that is in everybody? Well, one of the ways that we do this is saying, use your music to help other people. So, for instance, we have a program of which I'm very, very um, proud called the Sing Out, Reach Out program, which is children and adults with disabilities. We teach them all the old songs like, yes, sir, that's my baby and you are my sunshine. And we take them into the nursing homes and we have them sing with the seniors. And what we do is we, we get our guys to be, as it were, music healers, to bring out the music that's in the seniors. Mm. So oh. we have them thinking outward. And this is, a very, this is a very remarkable model. It works absolutely beautifully. A, a couple of observations from uh, documentaries I've seen and, uh, and linking up music and good health. You mentioned before that uh, uh, you, they tested a choir and before and after they sang and their, their yep. 
blood test showed better health afterwards. You know, a lot of conductors live into a ripe old age. Right. They say it's because the upper body movement of waving their arms about is good for cardiovascular. Oh, you but, bet. But there was a, a uh, Alzheimer's documentary on public television here, and I think it was produced by the BBC, and it showed the, that great uh, music hall veteran Robert Morley, a fantastic uh, performer from years gone by, and he had Alzheimer's, and he couldn't remember who he saw the, the day before or what he had for breakfast, or he couldn't remember family members. But they asked him to sing one of the old music hall standards, which we would call in America vaudeville, and he had it letter perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And we find this all the time because in, in Alzheimer's, you lose short-term memory, but often you don't lose long-term memory. Right. And um, we have numerous examples of this. In one of the nursing homes that we go into, there's an old lady there called Rose, and she has, you know, pretty far gone with dementia. She doesn't know what day of the week it is, anything. If you pick out one of those old songs, T for Two, Yes Sir, That's My Baby, Hello Dolly, she will happily sing along at the top of her voice with all the lyrics absolutely perfectly. And if you <laughs> walked in at that moment, you would have no idea that she had any kind of illness. Now, for the people who are listening out there, um, you say... Just participate. Like, if, like me, you can't carry a tune in a bucket. Right. But just don't participate. say that because that's not true. You know, if you ask a room full of kindergarten people, can you, who, who in here can sing? Every single child sure. raises their hand. Who in here can dance? Every single child raises but, their so, hand. Right. I, you see, here's the thing. Think of the mother singing to the baby. Right. The baby doesn't stop the mother and go, uh, Mom, I'm sorry, you sang that note <laughs> off key. Or, I'm sorry, can you please do it with the right words? Right. You see, there's two levels to music making. I know right. we don't have much time, but I want to address this right. because this, in a way, is the most important this is point. Key. This is key. Um, the the uh, There are two levels to music. There's a superficial level, which is the stuff that is the, the stuff of music pedagogy. Do you have the right fingering? Do you have the right notes? Are you getting it right? Mm-hmm. And then there's, that's the, what we call the music with a small M. And underneath that, there's the music with a big M, which is where the soul is. And that's to do with, how, with your intent. Are you making music from the heart? So the music with a small M is the music from the brain. The music with the big M is the music from the heart. And you should sing like nobody's listening, like the saying goes. No, no, you shouldn't. No, that's, not, that's not right. That's not right. What yeah. you should do is you should sing to whoever you sing to, but sing to their soul. Don't sing to their brain. If you uh-huh. sing to their soul, if you sing to their soul, then you will reach the part of them that it will be like a soul to soul. Now, when Beethoven wrote his Mr. Solemnis, he right. says, from the heart may it go to the heart. And so much music in our culture is the brain to the brain. No, it's the heart to the heart. And if you really see that, which is what we train people to do, if you really see that, you will be happy to make music yourself. And that's how it used to be. Peter Mura, that is terrific. That's and thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary and sharing your passion for music. And tell us, Sarah, who do we have to thank for bringing us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Millbrook, Newburgh, New Paltz, New Windsor, Cornwall, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Southern Ulster. For Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Trebowasa thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next Friday morning at 9 for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio.